You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's Sunday, June the 5th, and Packers Total Access begins right now. Good Sunday afternoon. Hope everybody's doing good. Hope you had a great weekend. If you're listening to this on Monday, hey, let's get the work week started, get things cranked up, and, and, and go have us a week. What do you say? So I am your host, Clayton Bailey. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter, at Packers underscore access. Also, if you want to hit up the show, um, you know, give, uh, give feedback, ask a question, maybe have a topic for the show, we'll do our best to get to it as soon as possible because um, the emails have been flooded. But that email is actually Packers total access at gmail.com there's no underscore there's no spaces no numbers no nothing just packers total access at gmail.com and the inbox has been completely flooded which is awesome some of it's just been feedback and we really really appreciate the positive affirmation of you know just uh just giving feedback and letting us know what you like and even what you don't like that's important that's just as important as the stuff that you do like as long as it's done in a constructive manner all of it's going to make the show better but we, uh, we're going to respond to three emails today, so we've got to go rapid fire to get this show in. And I'm really excited about having Jacob on the backside. He's uh, he's going to come in, and we're going to talk a little OTAs, just kind of give you your weekly update on what's going on around Packers OTAs as we step into next week, which is going to be mandatory OTAs, and that's when the real fun starts. Uh, you know, last year with the mandatory OTAs, the thing that stood out to me the most was how many people missed the mandatory OTAs, and they forfeited some money, right, some of that uh, – that off-season workout bonus stuff. So it's going to be interesting to see who shows up. You know, there was a lot of receivers that didn't show up last year, many of which are no longer on the roster, and I do not think that's a coincidence. I really, really don't. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to, to get Jacob in here and talk about that. But with that being said, let's waste no more time. Let's get right into the first email, and that actually comes from Mr. Andy Monday. And uh, I'm going to try to read these word for word, not that Andy's – um, you know, has a mistake with it. It probably does, and I can't remember which ones do and don't. Uh, first of all, I read on about a third grade level. If you guys haven't have it caught on, you know, down here it's probably a sixth grade level in the south, but up north it's probably equal, the equivalent to a third grade level of what you guys do. But I'm gonna try to read these and it not sound like, uh, you know, sound like you're listening to a buzzsaw. And I apologize if I botch it, but I'm gonna read them word for word. So if there's a typo in here, we'll try to decipher it and get the answer for these guys. But Andy Monday said, "Hi, Clayton." This is Andy Monday. I'm a big fan of the show. I love the history segment. I'm hoping to hear someday on your show about the Jerry Kramer story, about the wood splinters in his gut. Anywho, I'd like to know how the Packers spending on their top players compares to those players' PFF ranking. Uh, For example, Rashawn Rashawn Scary, I think he did it on purpose and I like that. Rashawn Scary's salary is is a great bargain 
because his cost is blank while his PFF ranking was blank in 2021. I hope this makes sense. I think we should be uh, be awed by the good deals our players have. From the middle of Kansas, thank you. One thing I love about doing these podcasts is how you connect with people from all over the world. You know, like I said, I'm located in Tennessee. Ryan's in Wisconsin. I think JJ is in the Midwest somewhere. I want to say, I know I'm going to botch it, Indiana, Illinois, something like that. Uh, maybe Ohio, somewhere there, you know, uh, in the middle of the country. But you got people, you know, emailing the show from Kansas. We're talking to Jacob on a weekly basis up in Wisconsin. I've got guys that live uh, live overseas that, that listen to the show, um, one in Scotland. I mean, we just got a really, really cool following, the base that's starting to build. But, uh, yeah, to uh, to answer Andy Monday's email, we're going to try to go in rapid fashion. Let's just jump right into Jerry Kramer. Obviously, we're not going to do a normal history segment where we cover everything. I'm going to try to give you some highlights of his career. And what's really cool about answering these emails and having communication with the fans and the listeners is I have no idea what he's talking about with the splinters. I'm a big Jerry Kramer fan, but I've never heard that story. But I guarantee you we're about to uncover it. So let's just kind of look at a, a little bit about Jerry Kramer. You know, it says he was born in eastern Montana in Jordan. Uh, Kramer moved with his parents and five siblings from northern Utah to northern Idaho uh, when he was in the fourth grade, settling in Sandpoint. After graduating from Sandpoint High School in 1954, he accepted a football scholarship to the University of Idaho in Moscow to play for uh, new head coach Skip Staley. In that era, Idaho was a member of the Pacific Coast Conference, the frontrunner of the Pac-12, okay? Said he was a standout player for the Vandals. Uh, he was actually a two-way player, standout player, along with teammate and road teammate Wayne Walker of Boise, a future all-pro linebacker with the Detroit Lions. So, uh, there, you know, it sounded like back then that uh, that northern Idaho, uh, you know, that area was churning out some, some pretty good prospects there at the University of Idaho. Um, cool. So, it says following the 1957 season, both played on a winning side in the East-West Shrine game in late December in San Francisco and at the College All-Star game in Chicago in mid-August, uh, in which they defeated the defending NFL champion Lions. That's amazing. <laughs> Kramer was also a starter from the winning North team in the Senior Bowl in January in Mobile, Alabama. I just I think that's really, really cool that that you know the the history of football and how college football really dominated the pros and how that shift took place we had that on a past uh, segment where we kind of put bits and pieces into a history segment talking about when they really turned a corner and it was actually curly lambo that said his greatest win he was asked in an interview shortly before he died what what do you think was your greatest victory your greatest accomplishment and he talked about the year that they finally beat the college all-star team he said that's when it felt like, okay, pro football has finally arrived. That's just amazing to me. So uh, Kramer was the 39th selection of the 1958 NFL draft. He was taken in the fourth round, so another Hall of Famer taken late in the draft by the Green Bay Packers. The other two Hall of Famers the Packers were taken in this draft were fullback Jim Taylor of LSU. We've talked about him in the past. And then linebacker Ray Nitschke. So you guys remember, this was one of, if not the best draft class of Jack Venisi, which we mentioned before. You know, the, the, uh, the great scout for the Packers in the 1950s that really laid the foundation for Lombardi's Packers. Um, so... Yeah, it says uh, with, with Kramer playing right guard, the Packers won uh, five NFL titles in the first two Super Bowls, right? We're not going to go through the dates, but he was really a, a key cog. You know, I've got right here in the studio, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but when we do a live stream with Ryan, 
my background is this whole wall that I put chalkboard paint on. So it's like one big chalkboard. And I thought that would be really cool to kind of give it a retro look to the old chalkboard days of, uh, of pro football and, and really college football in general, just draw and play. So what I've done is taken historic moments in Packer history, put a picture frame there, and then above it drew the actual play diagram of the play that's taking place in that picture. And right here on the wall behind me is the Packer sweep. And, and who do you see leading the way other than number 64, Jerry Kramer? So pretty cool, pretty cool stuff. Um, yeah, so we're going to slide down here. We're going to talk about his accomplishments real quick first. He's a two-time Super Bowl champion, five-time NFL champion, uh, five-time five first-team All-Pro, two-time second-team All-Pro. So there were seven seasons there that he made the All-Pro team. Um, eight-time, or I'm sorry, three-time Pro Bowler, and he was on the NFL 1960s All-Decade Team, the the NFL 50th Anniversary All-Time Team, Green Bay Packers Hall of Fame, and uh, they, the Idaho Vandals actually retired his college number 64, and obviously he was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame here recently. My favorite story when it comes to Jerry Kramer is a story that he told in his Hall of Fame speech. If you guys get a chance, I'm sure you can find it on YouTube. Look up Jerry Kramer Hall of Fame speech. And he told a story about playing the Baltimore Colts. And when he was playing the Colts, um, what happened, the, the Colts, this was back when the Packers were horrible. This was before Lombardi arrived, right? The foundation was being laid, but they just, they needed the right man to lead them, you know, to victory. But the Baltimore Colts, like, absolutely boat race them. They beat them by like 40 or 50 points. And they, Jerry Kramer tells this story that every time the Colts scored a, uh, scored a touchdown, they had a mascot, which was a guy riding a colt, a horse, right? He would do a lap around the field. He said they scored so many points that day, and his exact words were, quote, we damn near killed the horse. We were so bad. <laughs> so that's probably my favorite story, and he's got a ton of them. He's got an awesome book. I haven't listened to it or read it yet. It's called Instant Replay. I dove into it a little bit. I've got a copy, but I'm going to jump into that here uh, fairly soon. But here's the story. I've just come across it that Andy Monday mentions. It said Kramer was noteworthy for overcoming a series of accidents and health issues prior uh, prior to and during his professional football career. The most serious was in 1964. He played in the first two games, then missed the rest of the season. Later diagnosed at the Mayo Clinic with, I, I think it says, I'm not even going to try to say it. There's about 15 letters in this word. It starts with an A. Actinomysis, uh, maybe? Anyway. It says, after his wood fragment removal surgery in 1965, he reclaimed his starting position at right guard, and the Packers won three straight NFL titles and the first two Super Bowls. And he was the first team, he was a first team All-Pro twice more. Okay, it says, the original accident in the summer of 1953 occurred when Kramer was chasing a calf on his family's farm. The calf stepped on a board, shattered it, and shooting a lance-shaped splinter of wood into Kramer's abdomen. It says, after piercing his abdomen, the splinter partially exited Kramer's back between two vertebrae. So let me paint you this picture. You guys seen the old cartoons where somebody steps on a rake, right? And it pops up and hits them in the forehead. To me, it's like, if someone were to ask me from another country, hey, what's the politics like in your country? How does your government operate? I would send them that video, first of all, of someone stepping on a rake and smacking themselves in the forehead. Backing up, stepping on a rake, smacking themselves in the forehead. That pretty much sums it up. But this is what it reminds me of. This guy's chasing this calf across this ranch, right? 
The calf steps on a piece of wood, disintegrates the wood to the point where the wood then flies up in the air. And I, I imagine that piece, that plank of wood props up and stabs him in the stomach. And a shard goes through his vertebrae. You understand? Like we talk about thin threads on this history segment, right? My God. <laughs> Could you imagine if it was a centimeter in one direction or the other? Could have, you know, could have cut a nerve could have caused long-term damage to where he'd never play football. Like, that's just an amazing, amazing story. It said the doctors cut the piece in two and then pulled it out front and back. So this shard is in there. It's lodged in. They have to go in and cut it in two, pull one out the front, one out the back. Two weeks later, Kramer was at a preseason football practice at Sandpoint High School in his senior season. As a freshman, he backed into a, a, a lathe in shop class and incurred muscle damage to a hip and was later in a car accident. While hunting, Kramer's shotgun exploded, which significantly injured his right forearm. He suffered broken bones, torn muscles, and nerve damage, which required plastic surgery and skin grafts. In College of Idaho, Kramer was on the field for nearly every play until the final game when he incurred a minor knee injury. He played in two All-Star games shortly after that. So here's the thing. This guy is tough. This guy is tough as nails. Like, first of all, thank you, Andy Monday, for mentioning that because I had never heard that splinter story. And it's funny when you say splinter, it makes it sound like these little wood splinters that you get, you know, get in your finger, and it's oh man, this is, you know, terrible pain, right? No, this dude got impaled by a piece of wood from a calf <laughs> stomping, stomping a wooden plank on a ranch. Like that's amazing, and just shows the, the, the toughness. And, and the will to be better. And, and there's some great stories of interaction between him and Lombardi in Instant Replay where, you know, Lombardi was so hard on him. And, you know, talking about him being being tough on him in a practice, saying he didn't have the attention span of a of a flea, basically. And then, you know, 10 minutes later in the locker room, walking by messing up his hair and saying, someday you're going to be the best guard in football. And he said that really got his motor going, right? But it's obvious that one thing that Lombardi demanded from his players were availability and accountability. And by availability, I mean toughness. People who are willing to play hurt. That's something that you can't put a price tag on. So great story there. Obviously, Jerry Kramer, one of the all-time greats of Packer history, Hall of Famer, rightfully so, waited too long to get that Hall of Fame induction. But go check out that, that Hall of Fame speech. It is amazing. And Andy, thank you so much for bringing that topic up. Um, now we're going to kind of shift gears and jump into the second part of his question. I'm really excited about this. You know me, guys. I'm a numbers geek. So we're going to dive into some uh, some salary cap hits and PFF grades for uh, for some of the top players on the Packers roster. But first, let's take us a quick commercial break. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing. But they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right. A company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy slab packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, 
kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so the second part of his email here was a question or, or basically asking to uh, to have a segment talking about the top players on the Packers roster as far as how much they cost and what their PFF grade is. So what I've done is I've went down and broken it broken it down in a, in a, uh, a couple of different ways. Okay, we're going to start off with basically answering the question. We sorted everything on Spotrack by cap hit this year. Okay, that's really all we have to go off of. We know how contracts can morph and change. Uh, you know, very, very quickly with voided years and things like that as far as cap hit goes. So we're just going to focus on this year. And let's start at the top with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is hands down the most expensive player on the Packers roster, right? $28.5 million, which you know how I feel about that. I've talked about it at nauseum. I think it's a heck of a bargain for, a, you know, back-to-back MVP quarterback at the most important position, obviously. Uh, a guy that's going to retire as a Packer now. I'm really excited they got that contract done. But $28.5 million. His PFF grade was 89.4. All right. That, that puts him at fifth as far as the quarterback position across the league. Now, we know PFF isn't everything, guys. You've, you've heard me talk about this. It, it's it's my favorite metric because it grades to the best of the grader's knowledge of what was the player supposed to be doing on the field and how well did he do it. You know, some people argue, well, they don't actually know what they were told to do. That's true to a certain extent. But to pretend like you can't watch a, a play and determine really, really quickly, okay, the safety's job here is to cover over the top in the middle. <laughs> like, you can see it. Or looking at edge defender and go, okay, the edge defender right here was trying to sack the quarterback on this play. I think this is a great way to grade players out and see exactly what their value is. So even though he was the fifth graded uh, quarterback in the league, and it was very close, all within a point, a full point, um, as far as PFF's grading scale, um, the guy wins MVP. Uh, his big big thing is protecting the football. That's the thing that's most important to me. So I feel like that is money well spent for the back-to-back MVP winner, um, $28.5 million, uh, being the highest paid player on the roster. Again, elite positions is what we talk about, right? And it's funny, when we look at these top three paid players on the Packers roster, all three of them are elite positions. Moving on to number two is David Bakhtiari. David Bakhtiari comes in at a cap hit of $13.4 million. Okay, Now, obviously, he was hurt last year. I think he had like 20-some snaps. We're not going to waste our time looking at that grade. We're going to go back to the, the year before and look at his grade. The year before, 91.8 was his PFF grade. He was the best, highest-graded offensive lineman, offensive tackle in the entire NFL, making $13.4 million um, at that elite position there at edge or at at, uh, left tackle. So moving on to number three 
Edge position, Preston Smith, $11.4 million, the third highest uh, cap hit on the Packers roster this year. He graded out an 81.5. To put that into perspective, that puts him 12th on the edge rusher list. However, you take into consideration, you know, uh, he's he's playing one edge rusher position. So it really, you cut that in half. He was the sixth highest graded edge defender at his position, if you break it down, you know, properly there. So again, $11.4 million, money well spent for a guy who was sixth in the entire league in PFF grade. Number four, Defensive line, Kenny Clark, $9.9 million against the uh, the cap this year. He graded out at a 75.3, okay? He's an interior defensive lineman. Uh, most cases, there are two defensive linemen on the on the field the majority of the time because nickel is played so often. You guys have heard me talk about that in the past. So two defensive linemen on the field. He graded out as 13th in the entire league which if you break that down into two spots on that starting, you know, starting roster there on defense, uh, starting depth chart, I should say, that makes him seventh for his side of the ball. Okay, so he is a another guy graded seventh highest. So um, moving on to ne- the next uh, highest paid player, Dean Lowry, $8 million against the cap. He grades out as a 66.8. That put him 33rd on the interior defensive lineman list. And obviously, if you break that into half, seeing that there's typically two defensive linemen on the field uh, at all times, that means that his position, he was ranked 17th. So quick recap. Highest paid players on the Packers roster. Number one, quarterback. Most important position. He was the fifth highest graded quarterback in the league last year, and we know he won MVP. Uh, Number two, left tackle David Bakhtiari. He was the top-graded left tackle in 2020. Obviously, he was hurt last year. I'm not shooing that, guys. I'm not saying, oh, well, you can't count that because he's hurt. Availability and accountability are the two abilities that are most important when it comes to the game of football. So the fact that David Bakhtiari might not be healthy – that's, that could play a huge role into the future of the Green Bay Packers. So I'm just going by the PFF grade uh, like my man uh, in the email had uh, had asked for there. I believe his name was Andy. Yeah, Andy Monday. So at number two, edge defender Preston Smith, $11.4 million. He graded out sixth. Uh, defensive line Kenny Clark, $9.9 uh, million. He graded out seventh. And Dean Lowry, 17th. So to put that into perspective, the five – highest paid players on the roster. The only one that stands out to me that I feel like wasn't necessarily money well spent or, uh, you know, uh, might have just, like I said, overpaid for him a little bit is Dean Lowry. Now, keep in mind, and he comes in, you know, grading 17th. At $8 million a year, guys, that's not horrible. But we talked about the salary cap, uh, you know, uh, and how it sits as far as a cap penalty. If we were to cut Dean Lowry, we could save a ton of money this year. But like somebody mentioned in the Facebook group, they said, you know, I really don't see the benefit of cutting the guy that knows the system, that's played solid. And he has. 66.8 isn't terrible. You know, being graded 17th in the entire league for one of those defensive line positions, like that's not bad. I mean, he, he graded out 33rd in the entire league at de- at interior defensive line. I mean, you're basically saying, okay, he's starting caliber. So that's still money well spent, in my opinion. But if there were one of those that I feel like we could trim the fat, it's definitely Dean Lowry. Now, I'm going to kind of change the angle a little bit and talk about, okay, who graded out really high? You know, we sorted it by by cap hit just now. And you see, there's no wasted money in them high numbers. Those high numbers, I mean, the way that sits, that is money well spent, hands down. So 
let's change it up and go, let's go by PFF grade and see what these guys get paid. Well, the one that comes to mind first is, uh, as far as a veteran, is edge defender Rashawn Gary. Rashawn Gary's PFF grade was 89.8. If you break that down into a two a two-edge defender scheme, which every defense is going to have two edge defenders in it, whether it's a base, whether it's a nickel, whether it's a dime, a quarter, dollar, whatever it is, right? That means he was the second highest graded player at his position at edge defender. He only got paid. He's only making $5 million this year against the cap guys. And next year, it only jumps to 10. Now, we we know we want a long-term extension for Rashawn Gary. He's a monster, right? Um, but that's just money well spent for a high PFF grade for sure. I'm going to change it up and go to rookies now. We've got a rookie class coming in that, that a lot of people are saying, man, I think that this rookie class could be one of the deepest in Packer history, okay? So let's look at it here. Let's take a look at it. The three that stand out to me the most, PFF grade from college football, okay? Let's start off with Romeo Dubs. Romeo Dubs, obviously taken later in the draft, um, he graded out in college last year at an 81.7. To put that into perspective, that's 35th. Now, if he is an outside receiver, which that's uh, the majority of where he lined up, he could do a little bit of everything across the board, but the majority was lined up as an outside receiver, whether it's on the left or the right. If you break it down there, cut that number in half, that means he was 18th at his specific wide receiver position in all of college football. Guys, he's set to make $875,000 this year. Now, we don't know if that PFF grade from college is going to translate to the pros, right? It's probably going to step back into the 60s if indeed he is a good player. But that's just a really good example of, wow, he performed at a high level as far as how he graded out in PFF, and he's only going to be making 875000 at the pro level. That's pretty cool. Next is uh, offensive tackle Zach Tom. Zach Tom graded out at 84.8 at the offensive tackle position, right? Played left tackle, right tackle, moved around a little bit. Zach Tom only set to make $831,000 this year. And the way he grades out, that's 19th in the country at offensive tackle, which if you break it down into two tackles means he graded out 10th best in the entire country. And to think you've got him to develop. Uh, Zach Tom is the offensive line that's really, really starting to get me excited. I talked about him in the past. You know, a lot of people are on board with Sean Ryan. I am too. But Zach Tom, there's just something about him. I look at the PFF grade. I go back and look at his chart. And I'm like, I don't know, man. This guy, this guy might pick up the game pretty quick. And I hope he does. For $831,000 on a four-year contract, if he if he has significant playing time, that's really going to allow us to trim the fat in other areas and uh, and be set for the long term. Um, you know, as far as uh, offensive line goes and the salary cap. And the final one we're going to cover is first-round pick defensive lineman Devontae Wyatt. Devontae Wyatt, this is just awesome. PFF grade for college football last year, 90.3. He was the very best interior defensive lineman in the entire country, guys, in the entire country, according to PFF. Number one. And we've got him on the books for $2.3 million. Let's say that, that him being the highest graded in all of college football translates to him starting. Let's say he, he stays healthy through camp and he ends up being a starting defensive lineman. If he is a starting defensive lineman, he's only making $2.3 million against the cap. Compare that to Dean Lowry. That means he beat Dean Lowry out for the job. And Dean Lowry's on the hook for $8 million in cap hit this year for the Packers. That's just a really good way to put that into perspective. So I want to thank Andy Monday for sending that email. Uh, first of all, 
Thank you for educating me on the Splinters uh, story about Jerry Kramer. Really, really cool. And also provoking this exercise here to kind of point out just how well the Packers have done as far as saving money when it comes to production on the field. Here's another thing it does. All the PFF haters out there, do you think this is just another coincidence? Just another coincidence that the five highest paid players on the Packers roster grayed out as starting caliber players according to PFF. But I know PFF, you know, they don't they don't know what they're doing. So anyway, thank you so much for that email, Andy. We're going to move on to the next one. We're going to go rapid fire on these next two. Then we're going to get Jacob in here and, and get some OTA updates. Okay, this email is a little longer. I'm going to try to read it as quick as possible, okay? And, and I'm just going to read it as it's written. So if there's some typos in there, um, believe me, nobody's making fun of you, Steve. Uh, this is, uh, this is I think it says Hessels Steve or Hessels Steve at gmail.com. Um, this is what he said. I love the coverage of Willie Davis. My grandpa actually got to meet him back in the 1960s and said he was a giant person. The way he explained it wasn't about his stature, just his presence and soul. I think that speaks volumes when we meet the people we admire for athletic traits. I have met both Michael Jordan and Bart Starr, and there's only one star worth talking about. So uh, probably a bad experience there with Jay. So that's cool. <laughs> I also agree with the I also agree with you on the skewed media coverage and the NFL pushing all of it. It might as well be TMZ and putting out upskirt photos. <laughs> These players have a, a job to do, and they get paid appropriately. I know it, it's a lot of money, but that should not allow everyone into their own private world 24-7. Humans will be humans, and business is business. We all make mistakes. Let's not steer the bus into a tornado of hearsay every time something or nothing pops up. My question for you is, out of the blue, but it has been on my mind for a while. Already knowing their career production, which uh, it says, which of the Sharp brothers would you draft if you could have them the whole time? Thanks for what you do, and if you need a hand, I would gladly help out. Ha ha. All right, awesome, Steve. Thank you. And that's Steve from Eclair, I think is how you say it. I think that's right there in Wisconsin, Eclair maybe. But anyway, thank you so much for the email, Steve. And uh, yeah, as far as the TMZ reporting of the players and stuff, we're 100% on board uh, or on the same page, I should say, with that. Um, it amazes me how when someone makes it, all of a sudden the media feels like, okay, now we're allowed to try to ruin their life and every little negative aspect and everything they do wrong. Don't get me wrong. There's my share. I have my share of athletes that I absolutely cannot stand, right? But why talk about it? Like he said, why create, up, create this tornado of hearsay constantly? It's just, it's miserable. It's gossip. It's something that I don't like to partake in. It makes for a good story and funny and funny coverage sometimes. I get that. But at the same time, man, um, we want this podcast to be geared around information. We want you to come away informed and a, and a little bit better educated as a Packer fan. And, and like me, learning about the Splinter story there with Andy in the email. That's what it's all about is coming away a better Packer fan, a more educated Packer fan, and having fun while we do it. But back to your question. Sterling Sharp and Shannon Sharp. I'm going to answer it two ways. Right off the bat, I immediately thought Shannon Sharp. And that's not because Sterling got hurt, okay? But I immediately thought Shannon Sharp could play wide receiver, but he was a tight end. He contributed uh, immensely in the running game, but also became a Hall of Fame tight end, right? So I'm not going to bore you with all of uh, you know uh, uh, Shannon Sharp's numbers, but as we glance at it here, he basically finished his 12-year career, actually 14-year career, and it looks like he finished with 10,060 receiving yards and 62 touchdowns. I mean, that's amazing. 
as a tight end, 10,000 receiving yards as a tight end. And again, he was just as valuable in the running game. You guys know I'm old school, boring. I'm an old soul. I'm 39 years old, but I swear I'm trapped. It's like an 80 year old trapped in a 39 year old's body, the way that I look at stuff. And, uh, I love the running game, so I love tight ends that block. I'm a big Gronkowski fan. Gronkowski was one of the one of the best blocking tight ends in all of football for so long. I think he's arguably the best tight end in the history of the game. And when you look at championship teams, it's no coincidence that they typically have a very solid tight end attached. You know, look at the Packers tight ends back in the day, right? Look at uh, you know the the most recent Super Bowl champions like last year with Tampa Bay. They had Gronk on that roster. Gronk won all those Super Bowls in New England. Right, you could yeah, you can argue and say, well, Brady was with him. Brady was the reason that may be the case, but there there have been so many great tight ends like Shannon Sharp that's led to Super Bowl winning teams because they had a solid tight end on their team. Now, with that being said, my answer was going to be Shannon Sharp, but again, if we're if we're talking about like he said in the question, if you could have them their entire career, assuming Sterling would stay healthy, I wasn't a Packer fan when Sterling Sharp played for the Packers. Right, I became a Packer fan in '03. So I went back expecting to go, yeah, well, he had a couple good years, but, you know, it wasn't nothing. This dude was a monster. I mean, I went through real quick his stats, and I'm just going to kind of pick up. I'm going to name it off. He starts in 1988, right? Here is receiving yards by year. And, again, keep in mind, guys, you know, they played uh, only 16 games back then. It's not the 17-game season now, right? 791 yards. 1,423 yards, 1,105 yards, 961 yards, 1,461 yards in 1992, 1,274 in 1993, 1,119 yards in 94. I mean, you've got one, two, three, four, five of his seven years that he played were over 1,000 yards receiving, not to mention in, in 89, 12 touchdowns, in 92, 13 touchdowns, in 93, 11 touchdowns, in 94, 18 touchdowns. You're talking about 65 touchdowns in that short career. This dude, he was a monster. And now I know why people, there are some people on the outside saying, man, I really think that uh, Sterling Sharp should be a Hall of Famer. So again, this is a question a listener asked. I think I'd have to switch my pick if both are healthy. I'm probably picking Sterling Sharp. This dude looked like a monster when he was healthy. Um, but again, um, you know, I, I, it's just something that what do you value more? I typically put more value on the tight end position than the wide receiver position because you can kind of manipulate wide receivers open. But when you got someone who performs like that, again, this is another scenario, another uh, situation where a fan asks me a question on an email. I do a little bit of research and I learn something coming away from it. So that's pretty cool, man. My pick right there, dude, to answer your question, Sterling Sharp. Okay, this next email, the final one before we get Jacob in here, and this is really going to be a great segue into OTA talk because it, it involves OTAs a bit. This comes from Bill Ryan, right? He says, Hi, Clayton. I am a Yankee New Yorker who loves your show. I'm a Packers fan since 1967. I remember Willie Davis in your segment was excellent. Ryan Schlipp played uh, Matt LaFleur's press conference, and Schlipp says he sounds angry about Rogers' absence from OTA. He should not be on a golf course, etc., Okay, so uh, here's my opinion on that. Um, and this is really cool. I think it's important that we draw contrast. I think it's important that when you have a multitude of shows like Packernet Podcasts do, it's okay to disagree. 
that that makes for you know great opinion uh, opinion talk. That makes for great uh, uh, just a, a more well-rounded network. And we do slightly disagree on this. I actually tweeted at him the other day after his show. I said, "Man, one thing I've come away with a couple of different things here, and I'm kind of paraphrasing what my tweet said, but I said." One, we disagree on about 25% of the stuff you talked about. And two, I'm in, I'm absolutely in love with the game of football because you talked about OTAs the entire show, and I didn't want it to end <laughs> because it was just it was so well put together and, and how Ryan – I love his coverage. I love the fact that he's so honest. He's not feeding into any specific narrative. If you want to know what's on Ryan Slip's mind, just listen to his podcast because he's going to tell you, right? And we do somewhat disagree. So let's talk about Aaron Rodgers missing OTAs. Um. I'm I'm a very uh my wife said to me the other day she said you know what I love about you you're a very decisive person when you make a decision there's no gray area and then she said you know what I hate about you <laughs> you're a very decisive person when you make a decision there's no gray area and that's just how I feel that's how I operate man I'm not saying it's right wrong or indifferent but um it's just something that I'm I'm a very rules based person you know you guys have heard me talk um, I don't believe in the two political parties, right? I'm a, what you call a constitutionalist. I'm someone who believes in the Constitution of the United States of America. That's just how I, I believe. I, I feel like it was ingenious. The set of rules that were laid out in the manner in which they were, where it could never be overridden. And it's the reason we have the greatest country on the planet, and it continues to get better. I'm not saying we're perfect, by no means. we got a lot of work to do. But it's, it's always going to be geared around the Constitution, and that's a set of bylaws, if you will. It's a set of parameters, rules that, okay, look, you you stick to this and everything will always work out. And that's kind of how, you know, my personality is a, I'm a logistician. I like to take time to dissect a problem, look at all the options, come up with a, uh, you know, a solution and say, okay, here's the decision, hell or high water, this is what I'm doing. And I will look back on it later and go, you know what? That was a mistake or, hey, that was great, and you learn from it. That's just the way I operate. So when it comes to Rodgers missing OTAs, what are the rules? The rules are very simple. It is not mandatory, okay? It is not mandatory. If it was mandatory and he missed last year when he missed mandatory OTAs, I was like, dude, screw him. This is not right. That's not being a leader, right? Now, you know, I would I, I, the thing that I love about with what you know the information that's come out and and I loved Ryan's coverage of the press conference, like the uh, the listener mentioned. Um, I came away the big takeaway um, respecting Coach Lafleur more. I love the fact that it bothers Coach Lafleur that that uh, Aaron Rodgers is not at OTAs. I love that. You know, it's way better than Mike Sherman back in the day being just relaxed and just easygoing. Oh, you know, whatever the players want. You know, Ray Rhodes did the same thing back in the day. They ran all over him, right, Um, and on and on. Mike McCarthy, I love the fact that Mike McCarthy came in and he was irritated if players weren't 100% sold out. Again, you got to follow the CBA. you got to follow the bylaws of the league, right? you got to play by the rules. But it doesn't mean you can't be ticked off about it. It doesn't mean you can't send a uh, a nonverbal message to someone with body language and 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 even how you treat other players. You know, I think the proper way of handling that is the the players that are there should be at the high, on the on the top of your totem pole, in my opinion. Lafleur should be looking at Randall Cobb as this is the leader of this team. You know, uh, one of the leaders, but a big part. Kenny Clark being there. I don't care if there's money attached or not. I don't think there's any money attached to the voluntary stuff, but the fact that people are there, I really respect them. I don't disrespect 
um, or respect, I should say, Aaron Rodgers any less because he's not there. But if you're asking me, do you want? Do I want him there? Absolutely, I want Aaron Rodgers. I want Aaron Rodgers to live in the basement of Lambeau Field, and I want his teammates to see that he's 100% committed. And I feel like that's what Ryan Slip was saying. But I'm with you. He seemed irritated, just like Matt Lafleur did, because it, it does seem like a very minute thing to do. But let's play it devil's advocate for a minute. Now, this is kind of how I look at employees and, and people that have worked for me in business and things like that, and business associates that we've had common, you know, common goals that were intertwined, and we kind of leaned on each other to accomplish those goals. This is the way I look at it. If you, let's just take, you know, everyday Joe, not necessarily Ryan or anyone else, but let's just say, you know, you put yourself in in Aaron's shoes in this scenario. It's not mandatory. Let's say your boss said, hey, look, I know you're not scheduled to work this weekend. You got a Monday through Friday schedule. Some of you don't have a Monday through Friday schedule. You're like, God, I wish I had a Monday through Friday. I feel you. I've been there. I used to work every weekend in holidays and it sucked. And, and now I'm at a point in life where I control my schedule and it's, it is something that was worth working for and earning. But let's say your boss said, it, you know, I know you're not scheduled to work this weekend, but we're going to, um, you know, we're, we're going to be here, you know, management is right all the managers of, of the company or whatever wherever it is you work right we're going to be here um now we're on salary and we get paid regardless and uh you know it's something that yeah putting in the extra time is not going to pay us more but you know we uh we we kind of get paid on salary and everything's production based and we're going to get a big fat bonus if everybody overperforms at the end of the year but um you're not going to get paid okay you coming in you're not going to get paid I know you're not scheduled to work this weekend, but uh, we're going to be here, and, and management uh, wants you to be here, and we'd love to have you. But, uh, oh, oh yeah, by the way, uh, we're not paying you. No, no, I can't. I mean, I'm not saying we're going to give you extra money for coming in this weekend, but we think you should be here. It's voluntary, but, yeah, we think you should be. Are you going in? Let's be honest. <laughs> are you, are you going to go in that weekend thinking, I'm taking away from my family, I'm taking away from my downtime, and I'm going to go in here because management wants me to come in here. And now I'm going to throw in another cog to this to this whole situation. Aaron's relationship with the union. He's been a union rep for a long, long time. We all know that that contract and the way it was structured, his goal to stay in good standing with the players' union was, I want to make sure I up the ante, up the bar for money per year at the quarterback position and reset the market. And look what happened with you know, the, all the guaranteed money with Deshaun Watson, right? Now, Aaron's obviously didn't have n- nowhere near the guaranteed money, and that's why I am 100% convinced in my mind it was a team-friendly deal, although there are many people that disagree, but we can agree to disagree. It's totally cool. But when it comes to him missing OTAs, it is not mandatory. Again, like what my wife said, there's no gray area with you. You're right, because there are rules in place. This is agreed on by the CBA and the uh, you know the CBA this was collectively bargained by the union and the owners and the commissioner and this is the rule that's in place. I cannot be upset that someone is following the rules because uh, I think they should quote be in there right. That's just my opinion. But again, I would love to have Aaron Rodgers in there. But the people who are getting angry over this, and I'm not saying Ryan was angry. I really don't. Think, I think he was. He done a great job on the podcast covering both angles and looking at going, you know what, this is a minute thing. Why not come in and be a team leader? I agree with that. But these people that are getting mad at Aaron 
he's selfish. I can't believe he's not coming in. This is ridiculous. I'm, I'm going, dude, I don't know what you're mad about. Sound like sound like your personal life sucks, to be honest with you. And I don't think it has anything to do with Aaron Rodgers. I don't, you know, mean to, to be, you know, an a-hole or anything, but it's just some people, just like the other email said, you know, they're they're looking for anything negative to grab a hold of. Let's create this this tornado of just drama right around every little thing that these guys do. If someone does something illegal, throw the book at them. Again, I'm a law-based person. You know, I love Thomas Paine. If you guys haven't, uh, you know, read any of Thomas Paine's stuff from way back during the colonial days, what a, a man that was before his time and some of the things that he said. But essentially what he said in one of his memoirs was, you know, and I'm paraphrasing here, but, you know, everything was so elegantly written back then. But he basically said, until mankind, until our citizens of our country or whatever it is you're talking about, choose to put other people first and do what's morally right to help one another, until that happens, then then government is a necessary evil. And he did use those words correctly, evil, because it's amazing how corrupt it can get, how quickly it can get, right? And you got to have, until people care about each other more than they care about themselves, you're always going to have the necessary evil of a governing body. And, and, I, and I draw that parallel with this situation here. There's rules in place, right? The rules are in place to protect the players from not being overworked. And if the owners, these billionaire owners are, you know what, they're my employees. Yeah, I agree to that. Why as fans are we getting upset about that? Just doesn't make any sense. So hope that answered your question. That's my stance on it. Again, that's not the disrespect or completely disagree with Ryan. I loved his take. That was probably my favorite episode podcast he's ever done. Um, it was just very, very entertaining hearing him go back and forth and speak on both sides and where he stood, and I respect his opinion on it. And that's the beautiful thing about, like I said, this network is creating a contrast between opinions. It's going to make for way, way more entertaining uh, times. So, um, yeah, so I want to thank everybody for the emails. Thank you so much for taking the time to reach out to us. Hopefully that answered your questions. Um, and I, I think we got out some good information. I know I learned a lot from those segments. So thank you guys for taking the time. And keep them coming, guys. If at all possible, I will respond to them as quick as possible and uh and get them on the show that way we could talk about it because we all come away better packer fans uh, having done it so with that being said let's uh, let's get jacob on the line here and get some ota updates man okay joining us now on the line for packernet podcast is our buddy jacob man how's things going uh, up there in the great state of wisconsin and it is great today 70 degrees sunny little breeze can't ask for much better oh that's awesome dude down here i'm telling you it was two days ago it got up to 93 it was hotter than <sighs> I'll tell you, it was hotter than a $2 pistol in Ryan Schlipp's basement, bro. It was bad. It was real bad. But, uh, all right, man, let's do this. Let's talk about OTAs, dude. Give us a quick update. I know uh, I know they, they've got another wave that's cranked up. we got some stuff coming up next week as well. But what the, I think the thing that I'm most curious about, Jacob, is what's the attendance looking like? Are there any big names other than Aaron Rodgers that kind of stand out to you that may have missed, or, or does it look like they're having pretty good attendance? How's that stacking up? Yeah, I mean, the attendance could be better, honestly. Um, so who was not at practice? Again, obviously, Rodgers. We got Amari Rodgers, Sammy Watkins, Alan Lazard, Patrick Taylor, Mercedes Lewis, Rashawn Gary, Jonathan Garvin, Randy Ramsey, Preston Smith, Jair, and then Adrian Amos. Um, so, you know, obviously, I'd love to see more of those guys there. Uh, McCarthy uh, apparently had, like, almost near 100% attendance rate when he was running the show so it's just it leaves a bad taste in my mouth you know it's, it's obviously not ideal Lafleur was even quoted he said you know each guy has that 
right to make the choice. You said before practice, if you're asking me, I want everybody here. So I think some of the thought process may have changed over what's transpired over the last two years, especially with COVID situation. And we didn't have OTAs, but my, he says, my thing to the guys is, well, neither did anybody else. So we had the same circumstances that they're dealing with, with everybody being open. You'd like to see as many guys here as possible. Now, with that being said, he then went on to say that like uh, Amos, for instance, he was at his sister's graduation. So that's understandable. A lot of other players apparently had some travel issues for whatever reason, people cannot book flights. Uh, This last week was very (laughs) hard. I don't know exactly what's going on there, but couple different guys that planned on being there couldn't just because of the fact that they couldn't book flights so <clears throat> obviously you can't control that if you're Lafleur, but you can tend you can you you know we talked last week about how Lafleur is kind of he's he's kind of he's kind of you can see he's getting a little bit annoyed i yeah. think is the best way to do it and you know he's always seemed like he reminds me of like the cool teacher <laughs> in, in school you know and the, the first time the cool teacher like yells at you you don't really quite know what to do and he kind of comes off as like he's maybe feels like he's maybe been walked over a little bit or been taken advantage of. I don't know if that's the case. I'm just kind of getting that. He has a little bit of a, a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. It seems like when he's doing these interviews lately. So I don't know. It's something to keep a track of. I would assume that there's going to be a lot more guys, if not a hundred percent of them there, obviously next week. I mean, it's mandatory. Um, I, I don't know, Clayton, do you know, does Rogers lose money by not doing the voluntary OTAs or does he only gain money if he goes? I actually touched on that a little bit earlier in the uh, in this episode because an email asked or and a listener sent an email and asked a question, you know, kind of talking about how Ryan Schlipp was a little bit uh, irritated at the fact that certain players weren't there. To the best of my knowledge, if it's voluntary, there's no money on the line. Now, there are workout bonuses that are involved that people miss on, but I'm pretty sure that's mandatory minicamp where they get where they miss out on those uh, those voluntary uh workout bonuses or whatever, or the, uh, the workout bonuses in general. So I don't think there's any money attached at the moment. And I actually hit on that email by saying that I kind of like that LaFleur is irritated by this. It, it's, you know, I'm like, that's awesome. He is leading from the front at the same time. It is voluntary, you know, so um, we won't get back in as far as the flights being canceled, you know, from the business background that I have, it's it's interfered with my business a touch. And I'll tell you exactly what that is. The cost of fuel is so high that these, uh, you know, uh, airplane companies, whatever, you know, jetliners are saying we're not going to fly planes if they're only, you know, half it's half full. capacity. Yeah, yeah, because we're wasting money on the fuel and, and we won't get into politics. But, hey, you know, it runs downhill. It is what it is. This is what right. we voted for. <laughs> Do it. So with that being said, um, that that's the reason that that the airliners have been uh, have been canceling flights. Now, um, Jordan Love, let's talk about him, man. I seen a couple of tweets that came out, and I seen the Instagram post where his teammates were commenting on him. Is it just me, or does this team seem like they're rallying around Jordan Love a little bit more this year? You know, I kind of think that's true. Um, yeah, they they had some. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out a way to word this so I don't get in trouble. Uh, AJ Dillon was talking to Rob Domofsky, um, talking about how love has kind of got his swagger back, which I don't really know where he lost it in the, in the beginning, but he, he said, he's got his swagger back. Um, he said he was just really impressed with love's kind of overall confidence and the way he carries himself. Uh, AJ even said that uh, he was quoted saying that during his first year, AJ Dillon, that he was quote unquote uh, defecating bricks constantly. So he was, <laughs> Just, you know, always nervous, always, you know, not quite sure of himself, but he said that he doesn't really see that with love. And, you know, 
obviously loves getting the bulk of the uh, the snaps, the reps here. It sounds like from a lot of the the you know guys that I follow that have taken notes, watching practices and all that 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 Kurt Bankert has actually been throwing a tighter spiral, throwing a little bit better ball than Love, but. You know, I'm, who knows? It's a third string quarterback. I Again, it's going to be interesting seeing if we can sneak that guy on our practice squad. Yeah, I really do. I just love Kurt Bankert. I can't help it. I can't help but root for the dude. Uh, but yeah, the love's going into his third of his fourth year, $12 million contract. We're going to have to figure out whether or not what we're going to do with the guy if we want to pick up that fifth year option in May of 2023. And I still have no idea. That's, I, this might be like the weirdest, most prolonged draft pick where you just don't know. You, you just don't know. <laughs> And nobody, if anybody tells you they know, they're lying because we just exactly, yeah, I completely agree. And I touched on Jordan Love, I believe it was uh, earlier in this episode. I've done so many podcasts last week, I can't <laughs> keep up. But um, the thing, you know, I don't. Yes, it's a cheap backup, you know, uh, mm-hmm. comparatively speaking to around the league. But um, when it comes to the Jordan Love pick, here's the way I see it: if Rogers plans on playing three more years then we will trade love. Hopefully yeah. we can we can at least get a, a you know a first in return. Maybe we can, you know, turn that first into multiple picks. That would be great as well. You know, the first that we invested in drafting. But um in my opinion, if Rodgers chooses to play at least three more years, and I think that there's a good enough relationship with the front office that that they'll be able to go to Rodgers and say, okay, man, our backs are against the wall. What's the plan here? We want you back. We want you to play for five more years. But, you know, what we, we need to know now so we can kind of package this deal. It's either Rodgers retires after this year or next year and we keep love or Rodgers stays for at least three years and we trade love. That's my opinion. So um, good stuff, though, man. But, yeah, I, I do feel like the team has rallied around him. As far as Kurt Ben Kurt, dude, I'm a big Ben Kurt fan as well. When he showed up to Titletown over there and, and met up with the fans that time and they were doing one-on-one drills with receiver, receiver DBs type stuff and – Dude, it was out there in the cold. It was just – he's just a packer through and through, in my opinion. So, I, I would not – I would not mind if they traded Jordan Love, if they get a good enough return on their investment, and Kurt Benkert becomes the backup because we know he and Rodgers have a really good relationship, as as they all do. You know, that's what's so cool about that quarterback room. So, um, good stuff, man. Well, what about special teams, man? I know that was – that's the thing that it's it's funny as we get into the offseason, all this stuff gets lost in the shuffle. And when you go back and watch that divisional playoff game with the 49ers, it's so obvious that special teams was all we were talking about. It was horrible all year long. And, and doesn't it seem like everybody's kind of gotten quiet about special teams as the new shiny toys show up in the, in the camp with the two first-round picks? And you got Christian Watson, the burner, going down the sideline at OTAs, catching passes, dropping passes, whatever, depending on who's reporting on it. But – it's like we we already begin to fade away from special teams and how important it was to last year. Have you heard any updates on special teams in OTA? I mean, other than the fact that uh, Basaccia or whatever, however you say his name, the guy's just an animal. We talked about that last week. He is definitely. Uh, I think he's 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 waking some guys up that maybe was lacking. You know, obviously the Packers have had some pretty. <sighs> poor special teams to say it politely um, over the last few years. And he seems like he's kind of lit a fire. Um, Mason Crosby has been looking sharp. You know, he's got that, uh, the other kicker that they got in camp. I think his name's like Emerly or Everly, whatever his name is. He was four for six for the opening session. Um, Just this last session here, Crosby was kicking with the wind at his back, but there were 40 to 50 mile an hour gusts. And so he was six for six, which is pretty impressive. Even when you have that wind at your back, you know, it's still wind. And apparently he kicked a 70 yarder 
or a 50 yarder that went through like the top of the uprights. They're saying that thing could have probably carried through it like 80 yards with the wind, which would have been pretty impressive to see. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, I really hope they shore it up with, with, like you said, our draft picks. I mean, I'm really excited for Tariq Carpenter. I think he's going to be maybe one of the best special teams players we can throw out there. Um, but again, also guys like apparently dubs, Romeo dubs has just been showing up. People are saying that he almost looks more like a put together, a more well-developed ready to play receiver than Watson is. And, uh, one real quick, cool fact about Romeo dubs. So he was geo tracked at the senior bowl and out of all the guys, all the wide receivers there his game speed was the second fastest out of any wide receiver. Watson was actually fifth Romeo dubs when he plays in the game, you know, he, I don't remember what his 40 was. It wasn't something crazy slow or anything like that, but he literally was the second fastest wide receiver on the, on the field at the senior bowl. Dude, that is kind of cool. That's a great nugget because earlier in this episode, we had an email or question and asked about the value that we're getting as far as in conjunction with PFF grade and salary cap hit. And, you know, I, I actually outlined three rookies this year that had really high college PFF grades. And Romeo Dubs was one I highlighted at 81.7. That puts him 18th if you, you know, line him up on the outside. And, uh, you know, the fact that he's only making $875,000 this year Great. is amazing. So, yeah, I'm getting really excited about Dubs as well. And I'm getting more excited that we're finally learning how to say their names. I think we're all coming, <laughs> coming to a realization of how they're actually pronounced. You know, another player I highlighted was Zach Tom, offensive lineman at 831K. He graded out an 84.8, and that made him 10th as far as lining up as one of the offensive tackles, whether it's left or right tackle. But Devontae Wyatt, man, when I dove into this segment and the fact that, yes, he's getting paid $2.3 million, which I think is chump change if he is going to be able to crack the starting lineup there, even yeah. in the nickel defense. But he graded out as the best college interior defensive lineman at 90.3, first in the nation. Have you heard anything about him with OTAs? Oh, yeah. Man, I'm, I'm – I, I don't know who I'm more excited about, which is I, – I don't think I've ever been – this excited about a draft ever a Packers draft maybe it's obviously because I've spent more time me and you you know we've been diving into it real deep but I mean each player is, is makes me more excited than the next and with Wyatt I mean the dude just he's a freak man and he's a ball hog and he wants to be there and he it's so cool he's treating Kenny Clark with like all the respect in the world he calls him Mr. Clark says it's going to be amazing getting to uh, be next to the guy now here's another little nugget that's insane so he's calling this dude Mr. Clark well, Wyatt is already 24. Clark's 26. <laughs> and he's going into year six. I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that Kenny Clark was the youngest player drafted that year and may have been one of the youngest players drafted in, in NFL history, I think. Like, he's, yes. he's up there. Um, to, to think that that dude is, you know, if he stays healthy, he could play another 10 years in the league. Uh, Clark, that is. And the fact that Wyatt will be pinned next to him, um, they are – moving Kenny around now, which is really exciting. You know, they predominantly have been playing him at nose. They're saying that now they don't want him to really be at that. They're going to put TJ Slayton. It sounds like he's been getting a lot of reps starting at the nose and that they're going to start kicking Kenny to that three technique, maybe a little bit farther outside. And they're just moving guys around. They're even talking how they might have a lineup of Slayton at nose with Wyatt and Clark on the field at the same time with our two outside backers. I mean, that just, that makes me 
<laughs> so excited. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's so cool because that that ties in really well with the last episode I did where we talked about the defensive line and the contract situation. And you've basically got four defensive linemen that are going to be returning next year if all the one years do not get re-signed, right? And mm-hmm. and one of the things I said was TJ Slayton, you know, if he can show that he can play nose consistently, that's going to be huge for the Packers because they're going to be able to move Kenny Clark around and take advantage advantage of of mismatches. Uh, you know, very similar to how they do with Aaron Donald in LA. So um, Kenny actually said too that he thinks that he lost out on anywhere from five, six, seven sacks. Like he can guarantee he would have had five, six, or seven sacks had he been able to line up more freely and play the way that he wants to. So I'm excited, man. This this year is just I can't I can't explain enough how excited I am. It's just great group of dudes. I'm the same way, man. And, and I keep saying, man, I, I, I wish I'd hurry up and get here. But I, every time I look up, I go, holy cow, another month's down. We're almost there. <laughs> I mean, we're next week, man. We start Tuesday and Wednesday, uh, mandatory OTAs. And I believe, yeah, Tuesday and Wednesday is open to the public. I'm almost tempted to drive my butt over there. It's about four hours and I have Tuesday off, but Dude. I don't know. It'd be, it'd be, it'd be. Yeah, be you, interesting. You need some extra gas money, man. <laughs> I'm willing to I'm willing to contribute because that would be awesome, dude. I wish I could be there. This is just the busy part of my season. I actually right. had a, a fan email in and ask if uh, if I plan on going to family night, he'd like to meet up and have a beer. And I, I'm like, man, it just it's not possible until November for me. So that's why we're choosing to go up in December. So, dude, don't burn yourself out because when you and I are sitting in that in that indoor club seat box for that, yeah, I don't know. Did we ever tell them that we got we got box tickets for the rams game yeah i think we tweeted it out but yeah guys we got we've got indoor club seats we're in the box in in the end zone in the closed end zone side and uh yeah we're gonna be there for the uh, monday night football la rams game it's gonna be december 19th yeah i mean it's as exciting as the game's gonna be we've got to really be focused that you and i don't get too soused and don't get too full (laughs) on on brats and we can actually enjoy the game and report from the game a little bit for the fans so uh yeah that's gonna be a hard part yep I cannot wait, dude. But uh, as always, man, thank you so much for hopping on here with us. Thank you for the OTA updates. And uh, we're going to – I know you and I have been talking offline, and I, I shared a little bit with the listeners, and I'm going to sit down and and really uh, get on the phone with Ryan and talk about some details. But when we get in, into the uh, in-season aspect of this show, man, we're going to have a lot of fun. You and I are going to be running the Packers, and we're going to basically be uh, you know, scouting the next opponent for the most part and kind of giving guys an inside perspective of, okay, what is the coaching staff looking to do? What are their strengths? What are their weaknesses? We want to give you guys the coverage that nobody else does when it comes to uh, the Packers, and that's that's why we call it Packers Total Access. So, Jacob, as always, bro, thank you so much for your time, man. Yes, sir. We'll see you soon. All right, special thank you to Jacob for joining us there, and also a special thanks to all of the listeners that sent us email questions and, and comments. We really, really appreciate it, guys. When you when you provide feedback, it makes the show so much better. So thank you guys for that. Also, um, if you want to send an email in, if you got a question, comment, just want to kind of join the show a little bit, it's Packers Total Access at gmail.com. You can also follow us at Packers underscore access. So as always, let's go out and be the change that we want to see in the world and go pack go. Third down, inches to go. The 